They should know the truth. The well, truth the truth is my my little espresso shot. You know, the kind that you put a pot into your coffee thingy and then it makes you a, a espresso shot. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you do because you're drinking one too. It's delicious. But I like to put a little water in mine so it's not so hot. This is why this is the best-selling podcast for relationship on L- the internet. Well, luckily we don't sell it. It's 100% free. Also so part if, of the the appeal. It's $0. Yeah, that's uh, $0. what I'm saying. If it needs to start with a, a moment for me to have a little caffeination before we go, I feel like it's fair. I, I didn't want to say anything, but it sounds like your voice right now sounds like you need some caffeination. You're right. I do. Can you I just out uh, hard today? That's you why I need to hard. wake up. I ran six miles yesterday, five miles today. That's eleven miles in two days. Well, and you had a like a personal best today because you were pushing the baby in the stroller and still managed to kill it. Tell I, us about that, Mr. Hollis. I crushed today. I <laughs> I did. The thing is, I went out this morning and against some of uh, limiting belief on how my tired legs from running yesterday maybe wouldn't let me go out and get the roads the way I was hoping for. I was like, no roads. You don't get to tell me if I'm tired or not. So I went out, decided I was going to run five miles, but also in the midst of my run said, hey, what if I were to try and push for the fastest single mile I've ever run pushing Noah and Noah Jr., who should not be discounted here. Yeah. Noah Jr. is our daughter Noah's doll. It's her baby doll that she carries everywhere that she named after herself, which is, you know, a little a little self-aggrandizing, Vain, I think. Really. Uh, but Noah Jr. doesn't go anywhere that Noah does that even make sense? Well, it's have the other way around. Caffeine. I mean, it's Noah Jr. <laughs> is inanimate and Noah Hollis right. <laughs> is a human, and Noah the human uh, carries this baby, kisses bizarrely the top of this baby's head oh, a lot. Oh, man, it is a weird and yet adorable thing how much she kisses her baby's forehead. The bottom line is I ran a 7-minute, 56-second mile pushing a baby with a baby. I can't even, like, get out of bed in 7 minutes and 56 seconds. I was on fire. You ran a mile. I ran a solid mile of distance at that speed. You know what? By the way, pushing a stroller, there was a couple points where I was like, I hope I don't hit a rock. This baby <laughs> could go right out, right off the side she of the road. She was strapped in, right? Of course she was strapped in, wow. but that that like that speed, I think it's like 60 miles an hour that I was running. <laughs> It's like close to it. You're so dumb. Thank you. Speaking of being dumb, let's talk about fighting. Ooh, what a transition. <laughs> I was looking for an opening. Before we talk about what the episode is about, can we at least acknowledge the homecoming? Back to where it all began. Ladies and gentlemen, we're recording live from my closet floor. Woo-woo. And, and yeah, if you're asking, there's a little closet for Dave. And a little closet for me oh, in the house that we live in. Goodness. Well, why do you have to rub it you in? You said my closet, oh. which instead of saying our closet, and now they know the truth, which is that we have a his and hers. Jeez. Man. You know what's in between our closets? The gold bullion. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It's like when we were talking about the shop oh and you were talking gosh. about how, you know, it's right next to where we park our yacht. Oh my, we for sure do not have a yacht. The helicopter pad is on nope, top of the shop. None of those things. I do have I drive the Rolls-Royce over to the shop from the house. I do have a coffee machine that makes me espresso in tiny pods though. So, Gosh. watch out. You could buy it at Target too. Um, hey, we thought we would talk about confrontation. 
fighting, arguments, all the things, because we asked you, we said, hey guys, if there's something specific you'd like to hear about on the Rise Together podcast, uh, comment and let us know. And y'all did. And lots of people said, will you talk about fighting? One of the things that you did in response before this podcast attempting to address confrontation was provoke the most controversial thing you've ever put on the internet ever. About the chocolate? Dark chocolate hating. Just, it's disgusting. It, it dumped the internet on its head. I had to say something. I it don't was know time that, you did. that someone said something. If you guys did not see my Instagram post, I wrote a very funny, I was trying to be it was funny, pointed post about, uh, about dark chocolate. I don't get it. I think it's awful. I think it tastes like acidic chalk. I just, I do. <laughs> now, I do. Uh, that, Someone just wrote a review about the Rise Together podcast great. because of dark chocolate. Great. By the way, I think that there must just be humans that were raised in dark chocolate homes and humans that were raised in non-dark chocolate homes. Yeah, because or, I can't take a single bite oh, of dark so chocolate. Gross. Or do you think it could be genetics? It could be. Some like people when are just you get, like wired that yeah, way. Yeah, like when you get your ancestry report done and they're like, oh, people like you tend to be double jointed. Maybe there's a genetics that's like people from this part of the world tend to like milk chocolate because they don't hate themselves. <laughs> but let's talk about confrontation. Oh yeah, the, the actual topic the of today's podcast. The actual topic of today's podcast. Confrontation. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis. And I'm Dave Hollis. And we're married. For like 15 years. And we have four kids. That's like a thousand kids. We've been foster parents to four kids as well. And we're running a business together. That's a lot of things. It is a lot of things. But we know that it's possible to have an exceptional relationship regardless of the stresses you have in your life. So if you want some tips and tricks on how we get through all the things, this is Rise Together. How do we fight? Yeah. So the reason I'm using the word confrontation instead of the word fight or frankly, even the word argument is that we really don't fight. I think in 17 and a half years together, we have had three instances that I would refer to as a fight. Like but, fight, fight, like raise your voice fight? Like raise your voice fight. Yeah. Uh, and the reason that we don't fight is not because we are so special. It's that we have very different confrontation styles. And my confrontation style does not make for actual confrontation. Yeah. Like there are different ways that everybody's wired and knowing how you're wired is going to be a super important, hopeful takeaway out of this episode. But I know how Rachel's wired. She is an avoider. Mm -hmm. uh, she like just does not have any interest in getting into any kind of confrontation. And I tend to be someone who is a debater. Like I, I am here to fight to the death yeah. for winning an argument. And I tend to approach most arguments as there will be one winner and one loser. And the winner is for sure going to be you. The winner will be, costs. yeah, and the winner will be me. And and in fact, that makes me not a winner for yeah. having that, <laughs> that attitude, you know, but. Well, let's start with, 
let's both talk about our styles. Sure. And then let's talk about how this looked when we first got together, sort of the middle of our relationship versus how it is today. Yeah. And if there was one piece of advice I would say to you guys as it pertains to this topic, it would be to know what your style is, to know what your partner's style is, and to come like together on this on this issue and we'll explain that in a minute just to like have a sense of how you each are so that you can before you're in the emotion of the argument know how each of you are walking into that confrontation situation because the gist is dave and i are a team even in disagreement like we are open to disagreeing with each other but we are in agreement that we want to come to a resolution at the end of the conversation. So it, even um even like in a in an argument, we're like in it together. I don't know how to else to explain that. Oh no, I I agree. And the thing is, like in the midst of it, we have to continually remind ourselves of that because of course there are times when if you're not deliberate in trying to stay connected to that, hey, we are looking for an outcome that serves us, serves our family, serves our office, serves whatever well, you'll just revert back to the default of how you tend to argue. And in our instance, it means that Rachel would stop talking yeah. or that I would overpower the conversation. And, and there wouldn't be the kind of outcome that actually would leave either of us feeling the kind of satisfaction that you'd hope for in having it be something that is for you instead of against you. Absolutely. So uh, my style which I can understand now, but I definitely did not understand at the beginning of our relationship is I, if, if I get into an argument with Dave, I absolutely shut down. I like almost immediately I shut down. And I think that that comes from a childhood with a father who was very, um, very angry, very often. He had a really bad temper. He screamed. He, um, it, yeah, he, it, it sucked. And so you spend most of your childhood afraid of setting off daddy, like afraid of doing something that would spark his temper. Because if, if you have a parent who has a temper that's unpredictable, you spend most of your childhood feeling unsafe. And then if you grow up and you are in relationship with, like I was in relationship with you, here I am again with a man who's getting upset and I don't know how to trust that situation. And so it's like this little girl response of like, get as quiet and as small as possible. Because it's so this isn't safe. Yeah, no, I mean like it's so interesting because it is, it's disarming because of how confident you are in every other aspect of your life. It's strange because there aren't that many times when we're having conversation that is about confrontation. In part, I can say the nine Enneagram peacekeeper in me, as much as my arguing style is a little bit of a contrast to what it means to be a peacekeeper, I don't bring up a lot of things in real time because I tend to be like, is this a thing worth actually having a longer conversation about? And if it isn't, I'm interested in keeping the peace. Don't bring things up. The, like the idea that 
you'd feel because of the byproduct of how you were raised in an un like predictable environment they're just the frequency of times when I've been upset, like legit upset. I think I could count on two hands. Yeah, but it's not that you are. I wouldn't even say like, oh, he's legit upset. I would say we're in some kind of disagreement. So so my thing is like I shut down. Your thing is you get defensive. Yes. Your first instinct is defensive. And then like the answer to it is is like argumentative. I will convince you that the thing that you have identified as a problem that you have with me is you having misdiagnosed, misinterpreted, misread what you believe to be a thing that you could in bringing it up help me with because in some very weird way, and it goes back I'm sure to psychology from my childhood of the way I was hoping to have my family, my parents, you know, represent their love to me. If you have a problem with something I'm doing, if I've done something wrong, then I must be something wrong. And mm -hmm. so like it goes much more to like this core of wanting to convince you, oh, no, 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 I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. You are wrong for thinking I'm wrong. And I will like battle you until. And the thing is, I have a skill as a debater, as a negotiator, you as do. a person who can make a good argument and it is like one of my greatest strengths and superpowers and it's totally my like weakness. It's yeah, there's the there's a great saying that's like your greatest strengths are your greatest weaknesses. And I would say this is absolutely an instance of that because you're so good at it and you will pull or it feels like you will pull out anything in that moment to be right about what you're saying. I wrote this in my book. It's a like really crappy thing to have to really <laughs> – it's a crappy thing to have to own. But when you are a person who is skilled at debating or arguing and are paired with someone who is an avoider, who just doesn't like to be in confrontation, and you decide to – use that to play to the strengths of having to not deal with the thing or the whatever it is that they're bringing up, it actually, in my mind, has tipped over a line at times in me being a bit of a bully yeah. in our relationship. 100%. Because I was exploiting this weakness that you had in not wanting to have to deal with confrontation. And that's the worst like that that is like the worst version of me and I hate that that is the thing but I loved the like introspection that I had to try and really spend time with in the midst of writing this book because now that I'm self-aware of it it at least informs a little bit of how I hope to not be that jackass when I'm walking into a confrontation with you and you start to pull away like manipulating that or seizing on that or taking advantage of that, exploiting that, though, like that is, that's the worst, right? And so like hopefully I can stay out of my own way by not actually doing that. Well, the interesting thing that I know now that I didn't know back then was if I just wait long enough, you'll talk yourself back around. Like if you're debating with me and I just let you go, you will eventually come back around in a full circle to my point. It'll take a while. Yeah. And in the interim, you know, back in the day, I would feel like I was getting sort of verbally beat up. But eventually, if honestly, if I just say nothing, you'll, you'll kind of debate yourself out. 
and maybe realize like how you're coming across, but it's not an instant thing. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is like it all for me in this, especially anything that is like, hey, I am your best friend and partner. I want the best for you. I need to bring this thing up because you are not currently showing up in a way that brings your best forward. So your interest in like representing that we have to now walk into confrontation is is anchored in this place of wanting to help me be my best self. But at the beginning of that conversation, I tend to hear it as you are not good. What's crazy is that you can be defensive even when I'm not talking about us or you. Like I could be like, oh, I have an idea for the business. That's terrible. <laughs> and there is a defensiveness in you of me having an idea like because you didn't have the idea and therefore you're not being a good. It's like you believe, you know, what? like what's that? spiral. Oh, I mean, when it comes to and we have conversations about the business 50 times a day. And when there is an observation that you've had about a thing that we should have or could have done better as the person leading the team as much as we're leading the team together, like part of your recognizing, "Hey, we could have done something better." Again, in my twisted brain is I am not doing a good enough job to have troubleshot this thing before it became apparent to you as a thing that you were aware of and had to bring to my attention to address. We are very emotional. We Do you are know very, this? What do you speak of? Since we started being in business together, I feel like we are very emotional. That's an interesting like side effect of being business partners, and I've really thought about it until right now, uh, is that we are actively working on controlling our emotions. And I was just thinking that's probably a really good piece of advice for relationships is like bring it down a notch. This isn't the end of the, everything is not the end of the world. Everything that that person said was not meant to hurt you. Everything like... They forgot to tell you they loved you before. It, it's not always some big dramatic thing. I, I've i been paying really close attention to how often I get super fired up about, it's usually about a business thing. Because obviously guys, like there's a lot riding. When you have a business and 40, how many people? 44, 44 work for humans. us now. And they got to support their families. And there's, we have kids, like all of these things. It's easy to be emotional. And the line I say to myself, and th this is probably sounds crazy. <laughs> this is one of those crazy things. Every time I find myself getting emotional now, I say in my head, this is how they control you. Who's they? Exactly. Oh, geez. No, but I do. I say that to myself of like, this is how the media controls you. This is how your emotions control you. This is how every single time that I get super fired up or angry or my feelings get hurt or whatever, it's such a distraction. And it takes me a while to get back on course, to get focused again, to be intentional again. And so I don't know why they, I'm doing air quotes, nobody can see, but I don't know why that line, I just like said it to myself one day, like this is like, what I thought, it was someone had said something really hateful to me on the internet, which is so stupid, I know, but sometimes it hits you on the exact right day and it just hurts your feelings. And I thought to myself, Rachel, you're letting haters and trolls on the internet control you 
Because if you are feeling an, just a, an, an ounce of negative emotion because of a stranger, then they have control of you. Even if it's only for 40 seconds, you gave, you relinquished control. And so it's just the line. I say to myself, like, this is how they control you. I, it, I like it. Though. I, I mean, it sounds crazy, but sometimes the craziest things help me. And I just thought that might be powerful for you guys listening at home. You don't have to say my crazy line, but to just remember, like, dude, don't let your emotions control your relationship. What's what what triggers for me and what you were just saying is I was thinking about in like just preparing as we're coming in to talk about confrontation, the idea that if you're in a conversation with someone and they say something that has your reaction, that you have to raise your voice to make your point, that you have to use name calling in any way, that you have to resort to bullying or being more aggressive or being more demonstrative with your hands. It's not about them. It is about you. It is about the argument that you have decided to make not being strong enough in the face of their critique or some kind of insecurity that you have that actually if you were able to push the emotion aside, might allow you to become this better version. Like, if you feel like you need to raise your voice to make your point, you're making the wrong point. Mm, you know, like if, if if you feel like, you know, you, like, oh, if I could just get land this one right hook, if I could just, not like actual, but like, <laughs> like make a point that's going to sting because you're going to bring up something from the past, whatever it might be. Like, if you could just do that, if you have that as an impulse, you've already lost this, yeah, this conversation. Totally. I mean, this, this confrontation is not going to work out in any way because you're standing on super unsteady foundation in the beginning. Yeah, I think in the beginning of our relationship, we did not understand each other's argument style and so none of our arguments none of our confrontations bared any fruit did they bore fruit or bear fruit i don't know if i don't know what the word is bared bear Rawr. <laughs> they bear fruit well you bear fruit but do you bared fruit well i was talking about past tense that's what i'm saying Oh, yeah. It doesn't even matter. See? David, you want to have an argument right now? This is the kind that I want to raise my <laughs> voice on. Oh, my word. The point is that back in the day, nothing came out of those. It was sort of like, I keep wanting to make like planting analogies. Like it's barren soil. Like nothing can grow here because it's all just negative, gross, bad feelings coming out of those talks. Then over time, we both became more self-aware. We were trying to reach for a better version of our relationship. And so I'd say like, you know, five years ago, we started to like we knew what the other one's style was. And so before I would bring up a conversation, I would say to Dave, babe, I need to talk to you about something. I really need you to please listen to me. And try not to be defensive. Front loading. I'm front loading. You. Yeah. And so, by the way, it's still you having to work against muscle memory to not go to that place. But it's like we're in this together. Let's oh, have the, this conversation. And by the way, it goes it goes both ways because there's plenty of times when we're in a conversation and we have not yet even really scratched the surface on what it is that we're trying to get into. 
and the defaults on your side of, you know what, I'm just going to walk away. I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to just shut down and not say something, turn off the light and roll over. Like that is a thing that I've also had to say, like, I need you to come back and be present in this Mm -hmm. in a way that like respects the fact that your muscle memory tendency has been avoidance. Like, no, 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 hold on. Uh, Like, I know this is hard, but let's push through it being hard so that we can actually get to something good. Yeah. And then I would say today, arguments, confrontation looks like we know each other really well. We've practiced, we've sort of modeled behavior in these discussions so many times that we, I feel like, can get there much faster. We can get to the resolution much faster, I feel like. I think, too, like we're, because of working together, we are together all the time, which is amazing and hard. Mm -hmm. And in like the decision to work together and do this more time together than ever before in our relationship thing over the last 14 months, it's required us to also say, hey, as soon as something comes up, let's push into it and have a hard conversation about it. Immediately. Before it festers, before it grows into something that's harder for us to have to work through. That helps because the frequency, if nothing else, makes it just more normal for us to be people who, when we have to have a disagreement or work through something that we're on the other side of, we, we just know it's a thing that we do. Um, yeah, I would say, um, the immediately thing, I just want to make a point of this. So I would say immediately like within that day, but I did write down some of my, our best tips for arguments, confrontations. And one of them is do not get into the argument when you're angry. Oh yeah. And that's, by the way, it's going to take a lot of discipline. I mean, like you have to recognize that the outcome that you're hoping for is wildly more possible if you can find a way to be more objective in how you approach it. But even like giving yourself some time to really think through what is it that's actually making me upset here as opposed to it just being a lot of times it's ego. A lot of times it's stuff that is from a long, long time ago that's been triggered by something that somebody said. And if you can give it a beat and then come back objectively to how you might represent what it was that threw you off, it's gonna you're just going to be way more successful than if you in the moment decide to now jump into and tear into you know a conversation that's just not going to work out as well. Well, because again, your emotions are controlling you. Yeah. It's like you're not going to be able to be intentional about the outcome you need because you're in the grip of your emotions, not your goal. Yeah. I mean, one one thing that I like this is like a sign of growth, if ever there was one, like we've had plenty of conversations where my reflex of being defensive is a thing that's shown up and my my what I've been trying to do is. If I've gone into a conversation where I've shown up as this, you know, self that I'm trying to be less and less like, explaining the why so that you have even more after the fact, but explaining the why, hey, here's why I was as defensive as I was. Now, here's the thing, of course, it is rarely a surprise to you why I am as defensive as I am, but in a weird way, saying it out loud, hey, I was defensive for these reasons, is building up an additional layer of self-awareness for myself so that I might avoid 
the same trap the next time we end up in a conversation that's similar. But it's also my attempt at contrition. I'm trying to say, hey, I probably could have shown up in a better way, at least if I can explain why I did. Maybe you can accept that um, I'm going to do some work to try and be less of an ass the next time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think my point on that, if you are in relationship with someone who maybe, honestly, it doesn't even matter if they're defensive or not. I think it's just a great tip is, like you said, I know why you're defensive, but rather than saying, I know that you're being defensive right now because you're making my idea for the business about you failing as a leader. Like that is the worst idea ever because then you're going to be defensive about that. Then you're going to think that I think that you're about like it just is a weird spiral. And so instead, I did this just the other day. I said, why does it feel now? Please notice my language here. This is like total therapy 101. Um, I'm saying it feels like this to me. So I'm not saying you are this way. I'm saying, why does it feel like when I come to you with an idea for the business that I think is really exciting, it feels like your countenance changes. It feels like it's, I think I'm telling you something fun and exciting, but it feels like almost like you get angry and we'll kind of talk that through for a minute and he'll just be like, no, you know, that. and then the next day, because it's it's sort of just like I'm I'm trying to give you a little like. You planted a seed. Yeah, I'm trying the to thing, plant It was great because you planted a seed in real time. I don't think I was at a place yet to have given enough thought to the why. But because you asked the question the way that you did, I I went on an, I went on another run. And here I am on my run thinking about all the things. And one of the things I thought about was. She has a good question. She asked a good question. Like she has a good point. What like what is it? What is it about this like thing that as she brings it up that creates this reaction? And it was coming back out of that run that I was able to say like, look, this is why you know. And of course, you said, yeah, okay. I, like I assumed as much, but realize that that's not the way that I'm perceiving it at all. You know. And part of that too is like, the more we can have conversations that take the things that I think and turn them on their head, the more that there isn't power in those limiting beliefs. Absolutely. So one of the pieces of advice was don't talk about it when you're angry, like when you're still angry. The other thing that I would say is only get into an argument or a a confrontation when you're alone. Oh, yeah. Like not in front of your kids. Yeah. No, I mean, we definitely have disagreements in front of our kids because I think it's important to model, hey, we can disagree and we're fine. But we don't have arguments in front of our kids and we do not have arguments in front of other people. Yeah. I mean, we're leading a team of these 44 human beings as much as there are times when we professionally in the capacity of CEO and CCO are like disagreeing in a room about what color something might be. (laughs) The idea that we might have the kind of conversations that happen in the privacy of our house in front of our team or in front of our kids or in front of strangers anywhere is cuckoo. Also, we all know those couples, and honestly, maybe you're one of those couples, who will full-on have a fight in front of other couples or their family, and ew. I have to find a cave. What are you doing? Like, what are, the, like, is it, what are you doing? Is it, uh, it actually, like, it's it's so frustrating because it feels abusive to the people around you, and it's so disrespectful 
to your relationship, if you're the antagonizer, it's so disrespectful to your partner. There is nothing good that's going to come out of that. Like if you're having an argument in a public place in front of like that's just about drama. Hear, hear this. The only reason to have an argument with your partner is because you are trying to get to a resolution that makes your relationship stronger. That's good. You know what I mean? That's the that it's okay to disagree. It's okay to argue. It's part of being in relationship, but you're trying to get somewhere with it. You're not trying to showboat. You're not trying to be dramatic. You're not trying to gain significance because you have everyone's attention or gain sympathy because, oh, look, my boyfriend's such a jerk. Like, ugh. It's like, save the drama for eighth grade. We're not, we're not in high school anymore. Let that go. If you want to be a grown up, if you want to be in a real relationship, if you are reaching for not mediocre, if you're reaching for exceptional, exceptional looks like you stop acting like a jackass, both of you, and you have discussions that are going to lead somewhere. That serve the interest of the relationship. One of the other things we talked about in terms of like things to not do, don't start a conversation like uh, like that could end up in an argument that could end up in a confrontation when you don't have the time to actually have the conversation. Yeah. Like this is a trap. I think we fell into certainly at the beginning of our relationship where we'd wait until the very end of the day. The <laughs> lights are just about ready to go off. And now I'm going to drop a bomb in the bed. Hey, I was disappointed or like it felt like or and it's like, look, if you're about to fall asleep, if you have to run off to work, if you're just about ready to go do drop off with the kids, that is not the time to bring up a thing that is going to take 45 minutes if you've only got 20. You need to set aside like actually having the conversation with a time frame that accommodates getting into it in a way that serves it. Uh, another piece of advice from us is I'm trying to think of how to phrase this in the right way. You cannot say that you have forgiven someone if you keep bringing it up. Uh, the past baggage. Yeah. You can't keep picking up stones from the past to hurl at your partner in the present. When we did the Rise Together conference, it was like the most profound experience it was a thing we did just before our lunch break after a full morning of kind of where people had come from in their relationship, where we'd asked couples to together on a rock, it was a physical rock, take a marker and write down the words that they needed to stop weaponizing in their relationship. It didn't mean that they still might not need to go to therapy or still contrition was still a part of the conversation or whatever. But the idea was, are there things that continually get brought up as a part of your arguing style, as your shame spiral, as your whatever, that are just keeping your relationship from moving forward? And if you were to write those words on that rock, could you then stand up as a couple, walk to a trough, drop that rock into the trough and let those things go so that you can move forward? And it was I was crying watching it, it so happen. Beautiful. It was so beautiful. Some of y'all have things that you need to write on a rock and throw in a river, because yeah. if you keep bringing that same stuff up, your relationship will not move forward. Well, it's like people who 
you know, there's some past hurt and maybe it was something awful. Maybe you have a partner who cheated on you. Uh, but you have to decide if you're going to stay in relationship. Like some people, like you, if you cheat, like that's it. They can't let it go. But if you have decided to stay in the relationship and work on the relationship, you got to go to therapy, you got to do the things, but you have to agree to stop using it to hurt the other person because that is the most unhealthy, like you're, it's like, yeah, but in 1998, like, what are you even talking about? We're, we're here, we're right here. And your partner doesn't even have a chance to try and be who you want them to be. Frankly, I think it's, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like you keep shoving it down like your partner's throat that they did these things or they hurt you in this way. And then it, it manifest. It's like, if you can't let it go, you got to move on. You have to cut your losses and move on if you can't let it go. But if you've decided to be in this relationship, then you have to, you, you can't keep talking about the things like if they sincerely apologize and you are trying to work through it, you can't keep holding it over their head. Yeah. You're still going to have work to do. It's not that the work stop, but it's that the weaponizing of the thing is a thing that you have to actively choose to let go of if you want to actually have the relationship move forward. Otherwise, you're anchored to that thing. You are anchored to and stuck to that thing. I'm not looking to let anyone off the hook necessarily, but commit to doing the work and commit to not having that thing be the thing that always gets brought up inside a confrontation or else you're stuck. Well, I want to I want to be mindful too because sometimes punishing someone with the past doesn't look like anger. Cuz I remember talking to a couple one time where there was infidelity in the past and I'm trying to counsel them through this moment and it had been years, it had been 4 years. And it was still such a huge issue. And the the partner who had been cheated on was just, they just said, I'm just so hurt. I'm so hurt. Not angry. I'm just so hurt. And she was like, I am so sorry that I hurt you. And it was like, standing back and, and watching it, what I wanted to do, which you are never supposed to do was I wanted to challenge him who had been cheated on. I wanted to challenge him because it was like, because you keep saying that you're hurt because you're wrapping it in hurt instead of wrapping it in anger, you get to keep punishing her in a way that makes it okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it was, it wasn't him saying, you're still doing something wrong. It was him saying, well, I can't get past this because I'm hurting. But he was clinging to his pain because by him continuing to be in pain, he on some subconscious level got to keep punishing her for years for the choices that she had made. Yeah. So it was like this super warped and twisted thing where it's like, well, yes, of course you are validated in in being hurt, but my goodness, it's been four years. And this poor woman, like, she is it was the it was devastating it was to devastating. watch them. Like there was so much pain in that. And it's like, I just some of y'all need to hear today 
that if you're going to be in this, if you are going to be in this, you've got to be in this with true forgiveness. And that means you stop holding it over their head. And some of you need to be self-aware enough right now to know that this is not something you're going to be able to get past. This is not something that you can move on from, but you are staying in relationship with them because you get to keep punishing them for hurting you. Dang. I mean, I feel like I need a glass of water. (laughs) For what purpose? (laughs) Because it was fire and it was burning my tongue. Uh, one uh, one of the time. other things, and I, and I think this is an important one, if you can stay connected to empathy, if you can stay connected to how are they going to receive the words that I'm about to say, it will change the way you use your words. It will change the way you tee up the conversation. It'll change the way that your your continence, your your posture, your everything, your pace and tone and everything else. If you are starting with putting yourself in their shoes and how they might receive the thing that you'd like to say, it will transform the way that they will be able to receive what it is that you'd like to express. Absolutely. My last thought. You have a last thought? I do is to ask yourself this question. Will this matter later? Oh, yeah. Will this matter in a month? Frankly, will this matter next week? Uh, Some of y'all need to stop fighting over every single thing that happens. Yeah. Some of y'all need to, you've got some, some stuff, you've got some resentment towards your partner from the past that you're bringing in into everyday life. They didn't even do anything. It's like they didn't even hurt you. You were already hurting. And so you used a particular moment during the week as as the catalyst for you being angry because the anger was already simmering under the surface. Yeah. I mean, like, will this matter in six months is a, like for me, it's just long enough away. But if you ask yourself that question, you probably won't argue about almost anything because very few things will still matter in six months worth of time. And if you were to go through and diagnose which of the arguments that we've had in the last six months still actually would have mattered six months from that argument, so few of them would actually be there. It might change the way that you decide to be more or less, frankly, less aggressive about pursuing confrontation in the first place. Some of y'all are just in a habits loop. It's like a cycle of this is just who we are. We're people who argue. We're people who don't argue, in part because I think we've got some good perspective on what actually matters and whether or not the thing that we might otherwise argue about will matter in a minute. And it won't. So we won't. Yeah. So as always, guys, every single episode of Rise Together that we record is with the intention that it gives you an opportunity to discuss this with your partner. Maybe you heard things in today's episode that resonated with you. Maybe none of it did. Maybe you're like, man, that's not our fighting style at all. But the point is y'all listen to it and then you talk about it. Hey, how did you hear this? Hey, what is what do I do that you feel like keeps you from being able to express yourself freely when we are in disagreement? But the point is that you are in communication with each other. If you want to have like a little bit of a deeper dive on like what fighting styles or confrontation styles 
like scientifically are. If you Google confrontation styles, there's five styles that are cited by just about every authority. You and your partner could spend a second reading about each of them. It would literally take two minutes of time to read the five different fighting styles and then have a conversation about which of those you identify with most and in and identifying it, how it might front load you each better for the next time you're tempted to step into confrontation. Yeah. And if you like today's episode, we would love it if you took a screenshot and posted it over on Instagram, tag at Mr. Dave Hollis, tag at Miss Rachel Hollis, hashtag Rise Together Podcast. Tell us what you liked and tell us which episodes you would like to hear more of. Today's episode was a request from you guys, so I hope we served you well. Don't forget to subscribe so you get a notification every single time we post a new episode. Have a great week.